Welcome back to Gems with Genesis Amaris Kemp. With me today is Branch Isole. What a cool last name. And here's a bit about Branch. He's an author, poet, and storyteller. Branch Isole writes about strength of choice to change consequences. Known worldwide for his contemporary short story prose, Branch shares re readable, relatable stories that reveal emotions and issues often experienced, but not always voiced. He posts a thought of the day and a different short story daily at www.branchesole.com and YouTube, Branch Isole. As a guest on talk radio programs and conference participant, Branch shares inform informative steps to erect a framework that supports career, personal, and spiritual growth. Branch is available to speak with small and large groups and corresponds with fans and followers at his website and on Facebook, The Voyeuristic Poet. Branch graduated from Texas State University, did postgraduate work at the University of Houston, go kooks, that's my alma mater, y'all, and holds an Oxford MA theology degree from Trinity Bible College and Seminary. And without further ado, Welcome, Branch Isole, as we unpack seven steps to relationship repair. Hey, Good Branch. morning, young lady. How are you? How are you doing? I am doing well. And as I was reading your bio, I was like, what? Another fellow cougar in the building? Yeah, I saw that on your website. <laughs> Amazing. So we were at two different colleges. So you were at... Um, no, not Bauer, so the education, and I was at COT, so the College of Technology. Okay, yeah, I was in education in the downtown, you know, regular campus many, many years ago, long before you were born. <laughs> so, Branch, is there any other fun facts you would like to share about who you are? Because we all know that a bio is just a bio, but I want Branch to tell the listeners and viewers, what's a fun fact about you? Wow, fun facts. Um, I raise chickens. Um, I've got a little hobby farm going. I've got a big garden. I've got cats and dogs. And I live in the country. So lots of um, forest animals around, fox, raccoons, uh, bears, all those kind of natural forest animals live right outside the fence line. Um, I've been writing for about 22 years. I write fiction and nonfiction. Um, I, I wanna invite everybody to go to the website or to YouTube where I post lots of different selections from my books, all free, just go and enjoy. Um, uh, I've got a link there if you wanna make comments or ask questions. And those are kind of the fun things. Ah, nice. Thank you for sharing that because it gives me a little bit more insight of who you are, not just on a professional level, but a personal level. And today we're going to talk about the seven steps of relationship repair and how important is that to you? And then we'll jump into the actual seven steps so people could get their relationship glowing up again. Well, thanks. Yeah, when we talked about the different topics that we might, you know, discuss today, that's the one that a lot of times really hits home for a lot of people. Um, as adults, you know, we've all experienced relationships that have been good, bad, and ugly. We've all experienced, you know, things that have changed our lives. 
And most of us have experienced relationships where, you know, some problem has arisen <clears throat> that has made the relationship more difficult or has damaged the relationship. And as we were talking before, a lot of people don't realize that there are, there's a process that you can actually go through, seven-step process, that can help you and your partner work through problems and have the chance to rekindle or rebirth or redirect your relationship so that it, it doesn't become terminal and it doesn't become you know, one that, yeah, we're still here, but the agitation is there. So I thought <clears throat> this is a topic that lots of people experience and lots of people are unaware of, you know, where do I go when the arguing and, and the bad behavior and the sense of betrayal, when we've gone through all of the negative energy of those kind of things, you know, where do we go in the relationship? Do we really want to get it started again or not? And if we do want to get it started again, how do we go about doing that? And so I thought that might be a great topic to cover for a lot of your listeners who may have been in that situation or may even be going through it today. I like that because it is very important because when you think about relationships, not just, you know, romantic relationships, but also professional relationships yeah. could also be coupled in with that. And but I want to dive into the romantic relationship part a little bit deeper, especially since you come from <laughs> a background of seminary training. Do you teach any premarital classes or do you work with any young couples that are in the courting phase that they're, they want to transition from courting to actually engagement to then husband and wife or whatever the case may be. No, I, I really don't. I went to I went to Bible college to seminary just for my own edification. Um, when I had decided that I, I wanted to write my first book, it had to do with spiritual growth. And I knew I needed to have more grounded information in order to explore you know that kind of a subject so I went to bible college and seminary only as a way for me to grow as a person and to become more knowledgeable about an area that I then wanted to discover and perhaps write about so uh, I don't do any personal counseling or anything like that I'm not qualified um, you know I deal with a lot of those kind of pre-engagement, premarital kinds of topics and themes in my books and my selections, but that's only for, um, you know, people who have read it and they go, wow, I hadn't thought about that, you know, in that kind of sense. So I hope that answers, you know, the question. Yes, it does answer the question. So pretty much what I heard was you did it for personal gain so you could continue on your spiritual growth journey, not necessarily for you to work with people to give them um, coaching and counseling around the subject, correct? Exactly, yes. And when you think about the seven steps, what um, what is the most important step in your opinion? And then I want you to actually talk about steps one through seven. Okay, well, the most important is actually step seven. So we'll get to that. But let me let me say why these steps are so important. Anytime we're in a world, and I'm glad you mentioned, 
you know, it's not just romantic. It can be any relationship. It can be a romantic relationship with your significant other or somebody that you're dating and courting. It can also be a relationship, you know, within a family unit. There's a lot of discourse and a lot of discontent often among family members, um, even extended family members. And there's often a lot of friction among you know, work teammates or, or coworkers. So these seven steps can be applied to any kind of a damaged relationship. Now, that being said, the romantic relationship, of course, <clears throat> is usually the most important to us. And it's also the one that can have the greatest negative effect because it deals with so many of our emotions. I mean, the romantic relationship, the spousal relationship, the partner relationship is one where, you know, our commitment to that person is to be open and vulnerable, right? I mean, that's the person that we should be able to express ourselves in any level and any tone without recrimination. Um, so with that in mind, you know, we are liable to and available to kind of open ourselves up as with no one else and in doing so you know we share a lot of intimate feelings and emotions and you know the deeper we go in a relationship and the more that we expose ourselves to our partner not only the more vulnerable do we become but sometimes it becomes scary. You know, we each hold in a lot of baggage and past experiences that, you know, we're not always um, proud of, some we're ashamed of and some we're embarrassed by, but that makes, that's also who, who we are. So the, the romantic relationship or the partner relationship is the one where we hope we feel open enough to share and discuss and kind of grow through the things that are holding us back. I mean, that's the person we profess to love and care for. So that's the person who, when the damage in a relationship takes place, is often the most powerful, both in giving and receiving. Um, you know, becoming vulnerable, in its essence, you give away some of your own power and in receiving that power from vulnerable partners you know that can be used for good or used for ill so it's really powerful and it's really important now all that being said as a setup to the damage <clears throat> the interesting thing is regardless of what the transgression may be and what the issue grows out of you know, the problem and manifests itself as the transgression, as the action, at its core, every damaged relationship, the damage, the, the core is about betrayal. It's not about the action or the event that brought the issue to light. It's about the betrayal of trust Again, when we're in a relationship with somebody at that emotional level and that commitment level, you know, everything we do and say with that person is based on trust. I trust you to take what I'm telling you 
and to take it in and understand it. Now, whether or not you approve of it is something we have to grow through, right? But in, in being vulnerable enough to share it with you, I'm trusting that you will know what to do with it. I mean, that's what relationships are all about. You know, the exactly. part of me helping, you know, strengthen you and vice versa. So at its core, the damage in the relationship is always about the breach of trust. And that breach of trust is damaged by the event that takes place. And that event is grounded in that sense of betrayal. So we've got three different levels in the action. We've got the mistrust or the breach of trust. We've got the actual event or the action that caused the damage or the transgression. And then we've got that sense of betrayal. So to repair that damaged relationship, we have to look at all three of those things. And our natural inclination when we've been hurt by our partner is to focus on the action, okay? And, and you can pick one out of your own past or your own relationship, but someone has done something that's hurt you, that, that's emotionally hurt you, perhaps has physically hurt you, whatever the action that has manifested itself that is causing the harm is the one that both of the parties focus on most. Exactly, because it bur- it's like burned. It's like you touch the hot stove and you got burned. You don't remember touching the hot stove, but you remember how it felt when you got burned. Exactly. You remember the outcome. You don't focus on so much the issue, but you, you, you recognize and you identify the pain. <clears throat> now, once you've identified the pain, you know, our natural inclination, again, is to focus on the pain and then to focus on the action that caused the pain, right? And you were, let's say it's an infidelity, okay? You went outside of the vow, outside of the marriage, outside of the partnership, and committed something that in your commitment of love, you said you wouldn't do. So that's the action, okay? Somebody steps outside of their relationship with another person. It's found out, and then the damage between the two people involved, the two parties, our couple, begins to manifest and, and take on a life of its own. So. You know, there's all the questions of, well, why did you do that? And, you know, why would you go against me? And all of those kind of things. And the focus becomes on the action. Well, you can only deal at that level for so long, right? I mean, you keep rehashing it and rehashing it. And finally, all the facts have come out and and there's nowhere else to go with that. And if one or both of the people latch on to the action and are you know in its grasp and held tightly there and the friction that takes place just continues you know and and eventually it's going to like you say the the burn is going to be so great that the relationship is going to end i mean there's just no getting around it 
when you feel that way and you can't get over that emotional distraught feeling that you were betrayed you know it's hard to come back from that yes and it's like so the, the thing is <laughs> i just want to interject really quick branch it's yeah. almost like the uh, ship is sinking because you already know that you know the action has been taken and the minute you keep rehashing 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 it's bringing up those old wounds. Those old exactly. wounds are tied to emotions. Those emotions are tied to baggage. And before you know it, it's like we're on a sinking ship. It's just going further and further and further. And if you both don't come to a point where you realize that you need help, and it's not just going to be help with just you and him or him and whatever talking about it but you need to bring in an outside party which is a therapist a counselor or etc someone to mediate so you guys aren't talking at each other but you're talking to each other and you're understanding what is the rca the root cause analysis why do these things keep coming up are we hitting below the belt? Are we trying to cause more mental, emotional harm against that individual whenever they're already dealing with a wound that is going through somewhat of a healing process, but it can't really heal if you keep picking at it? Yeah, exactly. You, you hit it right on the head. And so if you choose to get off that sinking ship or try to right the ship, What's the second stage? Well, the second stage is getting over the betrayal. And you said it so well, you know, once you beat that horse, that action, once you beat it so much that it, it can go nowhere else, your only recourse to saving or at least trying to rekindle that relationship is to address the issue. And the issue then is not the action, but it's the betrayal which caused the action. So, and that you hit that on the head, outside help is where you need to go. If you can't, you know, work it out together, which is truly difficult, um, you need help, you need professional help. You need to step outside of the argument and get a mediator uh, who can listen to both sides without a dog in the fight and try and direct your energies back to uh, more of a loving response. Even if, even if you think the love may be gone, you can still have loving response. And if you end the relationship, you at least want to try and end as friends. So the next step is obviously to deal with the betrayal that caused the action. And this is the step where you can find help if you step outside of the relationship and it takes time. This is what a lot of people don't understand is when you have a damage to your relationship, it's going to take time to rectify and it's going to take time to work through. And, you know, a lot of people when they go through these kind of situations immediately want to put it behind us and let's get back together and make things the way they were. It doesn't work that way. You know, it, you, you've got anytime you've been harmed or injured, just like a physical injury, it takes time to heal. You know, exactly. the wound takes time to come back. So you have to give yourself time. You have to take time. You have to really want to 
you know, grow as a person and grow as a couple. Then after going through the, the reasons and the ramifications of the betrayal, we get to the core of the situation and that is how do we rebuild the trust that we once had where we can forgive and the key to any damaged relationship, whether it's between partners and spouses or best friends or family members or parents and children, we have to get to the point of forgiveness. Without forgiveness, and you know, that's truly one of the most difficult things for us as human beings, um, that's a tough path to travel. But until we can forgive that person, we can't let go of that emotional damage and that emotional harm. You can let go of the relationship and you can get over the action that was taken that caused you know, the damage. But to really get over the emotional effect, you have to come to a place of forgiveness. And that's what the seven steps are all about. Yes. So. <clears throat> and I would chime in there whenever you talked about forgiveness, because necessarily you don't just forgive the person for them. You forgive them for you so you can move on. And that, you know, exactly. weight and that bondage can be lifted off of you. Because sometimes whenever we harbor unforgiveness and things in our heart, it taints our viewpoints. And it also causes us to see things from a different vantage point. And if you're walking around, you know, carrying unforgiveness, carrying guilt, carrying shame, carrying all this and that, it's weighing you down more and more. So you have to get ready to take off the baggages, loose the bondage in order for you to be free. Because if you think about it this way, for those of you who are still trying to grasp the concept, is if we're traveling to go on summer vacation, winter vacation, or wherever, when you pass TSA and you get to the counter, they ask you to put your luggage up on the scale so they can weigh it. And your luggage either needs to be 40 pounds or 50 pounds, depending if you're doing a domestic or international flight. And if your luggage is overweight, they're either going to tell you to remove some articles from your luggage or they're going to tell you to buy another luggage and pay extra because the plane can only travel a certain amount of cargo. And if that plane is over loaded, that plane is not going to be able to soar to new levels and new heights. They're not going to reach higher altitudes and elevation because not only does the plane have to take the passengers, but the plane also has to take the cargo and that cargo is your luggage. So you have to be mindful of what type of balance do you have and are you carrying more than the necessary amount of weight? And if you are, you need to chunk that to the side in order for you to cruise to higher altitudes and elevation. A great, great example. Yeah. No, you're so true. It's, it's, um, the things that we hold on to, the negative things we hold on to, you know, revenge and all of those kind of, I'm going to get back to that person. The more we hold on to it, the longer we hold on to it, we finally discover it's only holding us back. That other person's probably already moved on. 
So any of that negative energy, you know, that we want to hold in and then spew out at them only comes right back on us because, uh, you know, they don't care anymore. And at that point, we're only holding ourselves back. And you see that so often in, in relationships where people drag that old baggage with them from relationship to relationship to relationship. And they wonder why they never grow and why the relationship is just a repeat of the same one that they just got out of. So it, it's all a growth lesson and a, and a learning lesson, but you hit it so well. Let go of the extra baggage, forgive them and you can forgive yourself and you can be free to move on. Exactly. And be mindful of triggers too, because sometimes we think that we're over something and the minute you have a trigger, it lets you know that you are not over the relationship, the toxicity or the abuse that you endured, whether it's mental, physical or emotional. And I pray that it's not physical because if it is, Something should have woke up inside of you a long time ago to let that sleeping dog lie and move on because no one deserves to be physically abused. You are a human being just like they are. So make sure you know who you are and have that self-worth. So that's another thing that I want us to be mindful in this segment is triggers. Another thing that I want to add in, Branch, because you had seven amazing steps to relationship repair is as you're going through these steps that Brant shared, I want you to pull out a blank sheet of paper and have a mind mapping session and journal. How is this segment making you feel? What areas in your relationship do you need to look at and look at them unconsciously with no biases? That way you could begin to grow in your relationship. And as you begin to grow in your relationships, you'll get a new perspective and you'll also shift your mindset. But you're not gonna be able to do that if you don't put in the work. Because sometimes we only want to see the things that we wanna see and we don't wanna see the things that are evident because they may be hard for us to ingest and swallow. So that's also a part of growth is sometimes you have to look at the hard truths and look at the ugly things in order for you to elevate. And I'll just say a quick, a quick story. So once I got out of a relationship after dating my ex for uh, three, it was a little over three years. It was, you know, it was hard because it was something that I was familiar. I took it upon myself to be single for two, two and a half to three years because I had to find out who Genesis is again without him and really begin to pour into myself and love myself and be content with doing things by myself. And then before I knew it, that's when I met my now husband. And, you know, it was hard because, of course, I had some walls up because I was like oh I don't want to just jump into the frying pan again and I also want to be mindful but intentional and before we got married we were both um, involved in church he was coming out of the Jehovah's Witness and then I was coming from an apostolic church so it's two different forms of religion very different And I said, well, if we're going to do this thing, then we need to go to counseling, premarital counseling. So we went to premarital counseling for 12 weeks. And in that 
um, span, there were so many questions that came about that I wouldn't have even thought to ask my now husband had it not been for premarital counseling. And some people say 12 weeks is excessive and long, but it was so necessary because now I'm able to talk to my husband about things now that we cleared the air. And then I have to remind myself, you know, marriage is work and you're going to have ups and downs, but you have to remember why you fell in love with that person. And remember that if you were both angry, you should take a step back in order to cool off, then come together and reassess the situation. So neither one of you is talking to each other in a way that is not conducive to one another. Agreed. I, I want to take, based on what you just said, I think there's three points that your listeners might take heed of. Number one, you mentioned questions. Believe me, any question that you have of your partner in relationship, sooner or later is going to come up. So the easiest way to address it before, you know, you're really heavily emotionally involved and committed and engaged and, you know, is to do it in that pre-marriage counseling or even sitting down together and talking about what's important to me and what's important to you. Those questions will arise sooner or later in the relationship. And it's much easier to deal with them when they don't have a lot of baggage attached in terms of money and children and jobs. So <clears throat> address those questions early and openly. The second thing you said was, you know, the easiest way to know what it is you want in a relationship with another person is to realize and remember the things in your last relationship that you didn't want. When you know what you don't want, it's easier to discover what it is you do want. And the third thing is, you know, a lot of people ask me in, in, about relationships, about, well, what's the timing? Is there a certain amount of time? And I like that you said three months for your, you know, your premarital assistance. I find that when a relationship goes south and you're at that breakup point, the one thing you should not do is not talk at all for six weeks. And, and I mean, at all, they call, you know, you, you don't answer the phone you don't have any contact for six weeks. If you can do that for six weeks, it's interesting how the mind works you will start to have new path thoughts after six weeks of no contact. Then the, then the idea is to go for net, the next six months on your own. Do not get involved in another relationship. Meet lots of people. You know, if you must date, date lots of people, but don't get recommitted into another relationship for at least six months. If you can make it through that first six weeks, then there's a good chance that that relationship will end amicably. If you can get through six months without throwing yourself back into a new relationship, you have a chance to experience what being single is all about. Um, so the six week, six month, you know, that's a, that, those are good rules to go by. It gives you a goal and a direction that frees you from being sucked back into the negativity you're trying to get out of. 
Yes, you don't want to go back down the wormhole, y'all. And Branch, as we begin to wind down, I want you to tell the listeners and viewers once again who you are, how they could connect with you on social media, and leave us with one to two gems that educate, inspire, and motivate. Okay, let me give you the, the seven steps real quick, okay, so people can write these down. And they'll know at least the path to take. Number one, you have to recognize that harm has been done. Whether you're the one that caused the harm or you're the one who was harmed, you have to recognize that there's a problem. Number two, you have to take responsibility for your part in the problem, in the action. Number three, you have to have regret that the action took place. Number four, you have to have remorse that the action took place. Number five, you have to form some redress. That is something to make the action, you know, understood. You've got to have redress. The sixth one is repetition. You have to know that that action cannot be repeated again in the future. And finally, you have to repent. Repentance is all about changed response. That is, you're not going to repeat that action in the future, and you're going to repent, which means your new action is going to be different. And if you do those seven steps, then you can work on forgiveness in forgiving and being forgiven. You can see any of my materials on YouTube at my name, Branchy Soleil, or at my website, branchysoleil.com. And there you have it, listeners and viewers of GEMS. You just heard seven phenomenal steps to relationship repair. Get your relationship repaired and don't allow a divorce to be costly because it is costly and it could get very nasty and ugly real quick because, you know, people come out with all types of crazy things. We see it on social media and we see it in, you know, television where television tells us a vision of what they want us to um, lean in on. So we believe that you are in the right place at the right time, but condition your mindset so you could grow mentally physically and emotionally and tap into spiritual growth because when you are spiritually sound you're able to have a spirit of discernment without any cloudy judgment or etc and until we chat next time peace love and lots of blessings signing out genesis amaris kemp and branch isole